I'll title this message today, Jesus, Our Example. Jesus is our example, right? Jesus, our example is the title today. So I'd like to thank everybody for being here on this Easter Sunday. It's the biggest service that the church has of the year, I believe. Christmas is pretty good size, but Christmas doesn't always land on a Sunday, so we don't have necessarily a Christmas service on the day that it is. So some people might forget about it by the time it comes around, or how, I don't know how that works, but but Easter is the biggest service of the year for the church. So Easter has become so commercialized, though, with with the rabbit thing and the, and the eggs and the, and the chocolate rabbits and, and all the gifts and the things that we buy for our kids. And, and, and we're always busy giving them things, right? But Easter is just became, it's kind of like Christmas is, but on a smaller scale. It's became so commercialized. So, so we know the, the day that God used his awesome power, that's what Easter is, the day that God used his awesome power to raise Christ from the dead, right? It says that when he raised Christ from the dead, that even other saints that were dead in Christ came walking out and they went to town. Y'all read that part? says so some of the other saints that were already dead in the cemetery, they wrote, that's how much power was there that day in the cemetery. When, when he said, when Jesus was risen, other people were risen also. They went to town. There was no doubt in their minds. You're looking at me with a blank look, Sister Delina. It's in there. I read it. <laughs> it's in there. Um, so it's the day he used his awesome power to raise Jesus from the dead. And, and assuming every, I'm assuming everyone here is a believer or you wouldn't be here on Easter, right? Because if you were a non-believer, you didn't believe in God, that you wouldn't even come out for Easter so we have a lot of visitors today because of Easter. So I'm assuming everybody believes in that. So Good Friday, Jesus died on the cross. This is not, a, this is not your normal Easter message. I know this. I'm going to get to something here in a second. On Good Friday, Jesus died on a cross. But I want to talk to you a little bit about what the cross was meant for. And the Romans had perfected the cross, the way they used the cross. If you were here last year, I preached a message called What the Cross Was Meant For. And I had the block of wood with the nail in it, remember? And I was hit with a three-pound hammer when it was, we were... It was, a, it was an audio aid, and it, I thought it was really powerful. But, the, but before Jesus came, the cross was meant for torment. It was meant for torture. It was meant for fear. It was meant for death. It was meant for dread. Jesus dreaded the cross so much that when he was praying, before he was even captured, he was sweating blood in the Garden of Gethsemane. And this is a well-documented thing that happens to people. And, and today, with our medical doctors that we have and things today, science that we have today, your, your small blood capillaries will break in your sweat pores, and it will mix with your sweat, and you will actually appear your sweating blood. It's, it's blood and sweat mixture. But, you're, but after Jesus died on the cross on Friday and rose on Sunday, the cross meant life. It meant hope. It meant promise. It meant peace. It was a symbol for all Christianity. He changed totally what the cross meant, right? So we all know the Easter story. We all know what it was for. He died. I came in this morning and I asked about four kids what the Easter story is or what, what the purpose we're here for today is, and none of them can tell me. But all you adults know this story, right? On, on Friday, he died for our sins, to pay for our sins. Sunday, he was re- resurrected. We all know the story, right? So today, I want to focus more on what Jesus did while he was here on the earth, him being our example, Right? What he did while he was on the earth. So he turned water into wine. Right? He raised the dead. He raised a few people from the dead. He cursed the fig tree and it dried up at his, at his roots. He had over 350 prophecies. That's pretty awesome right there. If you, if you look at the, the odds of having that. He healed countless people. He gave sight to the blind. He calmed, her, he calmed her hurricane. He walked out there on the water to calm the hurricane. During a hurricane when it was going on, right? He fed 5,000 at one time. He fed 4,000 another time. 4,000 men and their families, right? Miraculously, he did it. He spoke it and it happened. He restored a, a, a severed ear, Right? When they came to capture him, they, Peter cut the servant's ear off, and he picked it up out of the dirt and stuck it back on the side of his head. I wouldn't be there to capture him anymore if he'd done that to me. Can you imagine that? If, he, if your ear was cut off and you're bleeding, you're holding your ear, you've got to cut off with a sword. I can't imagine it felt very good. And for him to pick it up and put it back on your ear. 
He cast demons out, right? He, he, was, he restored the ear. He was resurrected and he ascended, right? He spoke, with thing, he spoke to things with names and they responded to him, to the sound of his voice, right? And then he said, greater things than this will you do. Greater things than this will we do because, his, because the Spirit of God lives inside of us, right? He had just told them that I have to go away. It, it's, it's critical that I go away. I'm paraphrasing. It's critical that I go away so the Spirit will come, and you'll be baptized. John baptized with the baptism of water. We've been teaching about this for about a month here. If you've all been here, you know what I'm talking about. But the Spirit lives inside of you, and it's because of that Spirit that lives inside of you that he's saying greater things than, than these will you do, right? Another thing Jesus did is he told the truth, like it or not. Right? He called the Pharisees hypocrites. We're talking, about, we're talking about the equivalent of the Pope walking up to him and calling him a hypocrite. You brood of vipers. How can you do these things and act like this? Right? He, he did this whether they liked it or not. He told the truth. He was honest with everybody. Can I be real frank with you today? Since Jesus was, was totally honest, I feel like I can be totally honest with you all today. Right? Can I just be real frank and not hurt your feelings? Don't tune me out right off the bat. Just hear what I got to say, okay? 94% of Americans believe that they're Christians and on their way to heaven. Yeah. Can you believe that? 94%, I heard that statistic last week, 94% of Americans believe that they're saved and that they're Christians, Christian meaning follower of Christ, 94% believe that they're following Christ and they're on their way to heaven. Now think about that. In Matthew 7, 21 through 27, this is Jesus talking, by the way. <coughs> Matthew 7, 21 through 27. You have that one, sis? Tell me you have that one. All right. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. You have to do the will of God. Not just that you cry out to God and say, Lord, I'm guilty. You have to do that will. You have to walk the walk, not only talk the talk, right? right. And 22 says this. <coughs> Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have... Don't turn this one yet, sis. I need to talk about this one for a second. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? This word here, many, means much, many, or most, right? So, actually, I might have it later on my notes. Oh, 23, and 23, and then I will declare to them, this is Jesus talking there, so that I means Jesus, right? Then Jesus will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye who practice lawlessness. Now, why would Jesus be saying to them, depart from me? What's he talking about here? He's talking about the great white throne judgment, right? Who's going to be the judge at the great white throne judgment? Jesus is. You're going to stand in front of Jesus at the great white throne judgment. And he's going to say, depart from me. You're, even though they've been in the church, even though they've did these works, they've done the things, they didn't have that relationship with him. They didn't do all the things that he said to do. They didn't have that relationship, right? He gives a lot of commands in this book that we're supposed to follow. If we're led by the Spirit, we're not bound by the law, he says, though. He gives us the Spirit that lives inside of us to follow. So he's talking about himself being the great white throne judges. Depart, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. What could be more important than that? What could be more important than having God's favor on that day? And 24 says this. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And that word right there, house, means household and all that are in it. That's what it means in the Greek, household and all that are in it. So you're building your household. You're building your children on the word of God, on, on what he's saying, on, on the sayings that he says. Because Jesus is the word, right? He is the way, the truth, and the life. 25 says this. 
So if we know we'll build our house and the rain descends and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on the house and it did not fall. Your household will not fall when it's built on the word of God for it was founded on the rock. 26. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. Built his household, right? Now, we're not just talking about a pile of sticks. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house and it fell and great was the fall. Great was the fall of that house of the man who built his house on, on other things that were outside of God's sayings, right? And Galatians 6, 7, these are the only two scriptures I got today and then I'm going to get to preach to you a little bit. Galatians 6, 7, and 8 says this. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Now think about that right there. God's not going to be poked fun of. You're not going to put something over on God. He understands everything that's going on all the time. Right? He knows everything that we're even thinking. Everything that we're doing, everything that we do begins with a thought. So if we meditate on it very long, we're probably going to act out in it. He's not going to be mocked. He knows. He knows everything that we do. He knows why we don't show up to church on Sunday. He knows all these things. You can give excuses to me. But when you stand in front of Jesus on that day, it's going to be hard to give excuses. Are you following me? Because he knows. And he knows that we'll do what we really want to do. Whatever it is that you really want. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he sows to his flesh, for he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the spirit will of the spirit reap everlasting life. So if you sow to the flesh, you reap destruction, right? Very clear. If you sow to the spirit, you reap everlasting life, right? This is not a threat. It's not a scare tactic. It's a fact. I believe that the Bible is absolute. It's, it's, you, you take all of it, you take none of it. You, you believe in Jesus, you believe that he was rose from the dead, so you have to believe in all the rest of the words that's in here. Because God's, it says that all the Bible is inspired by God, so God's either, if it's inspired by God, God's either a truth teller or he's a liar, Right? So I believe in the whole Bible from the front to the back. You can't take anything out. You can't add anything to it. So there's only two ways to live in there. Didn't, didn't he say? Either you're, either you're sowing to the flesh or you're sowing to the spirit. There's two, there, you have two choices. There's one side of the coin and there's the other side of the coin. Are you following me? There's no gray area. There's nowhere in the middle of there. It's flesh or spirit. We all make decisions all the time. Thousands of decisions a day. Flesh. Or spirit. It's one way or the other. There's only two ways to live. So are we living up to our example? Jesus and the way that he lived. Think about that. What about your brothers? What about your sisters? What about your grandma, your your co-workers, your classmate, your children? Will their blood be on our hands? Think about that. Will their blood be on on our hands? Because we know the truth. And we believe the truth. We profess to be Christians. We believe in God. We believe this Bible from the front to the back. But are we living it? Are we speaking it to them? The best thing that we can do is live it in front of them. You don't have to know the Bible from the front to back. You don't have to be able to quote scripture all the time around them. You have to live it in front of them. And then tell them what God's done for you. That's the biggest thing that you can do for anybody. But we know about the truth and we believe the truth. But what if we don't live it in front of them? What if we don't share it? Will their blood be on our hands? The Bible says train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. You all know the scripture, right? So we are responsible for our children. It says that there in the word, right? Train up your child. That's a direct order from God. If the word is inspired by God, and he told me to train up my children the way they should go, how should I be bringing them up? Laying at home on Sunday? Sports on Wednesday? Think about it. It's either life 
or it's death. That's what he says. We're responsible for these children. So many raise their kids in the world and then expect them somehow to become Christians when they grow up. Expect them somehow to make it to heaven. When you've trained them up for 18 or 20 years without that, without pouring that, that seed into them, without water and those things all the time. And this is not just for people outside the church. I'm not just talking to the visitors today. This happens inside the church as well. Right? We give our kids an option. They don't want to come to church tonight, so we'll let them lay out. Right? Well, little Johnny's got a ball game tonight, and it's more important than hearing what the Word of God's got to put in tonight. Are you following me? Well, I got a meeting I need to get to of some extracurricular activity I have. Y'all know what I'm talking about. I'm going to the lake this week. Can't make it. Sorry, preacher. <laughs> that was for you, Auntie. <laughs> Think about that, though. Think about that. What we're pouring into our kids, our grandkids. You follow me? <clears throat> our children will value whatever we, whatever we value, right? And if it, it, we can't leave them out in the world to find Jesus on their own or hope that they make heaven on their own. They're going to value whatever we value. Whatever, whatever we're put into them, that's what they're going to want later in life. They may not admit it, but your kids want to be just like you. They do. I can get my guitar out and start practicing, and Grace and Joe will bring a guitar in, and never fails, they bang it against my guitar. They've got a $25 guitar, they're banging against my $500 guitar, and I don't like it at all, but they're in there just beating on that thing. They want to be like us. They do, and whatever you pour into them when they're young and the time that they're growing up, that's what they're going to be. Now, it varies some because we have some that aren't in church and some that are in church and those things, but we didn't always live right either. So each kid has their own personality, but their odds of making it into heaven are a lot higher if we train them up in that way. You get what I'm saying? We can't leave our children's future to chance. We can't raise them up however we, our flesh wants to raise them up, and then hope, one, hopefully one day they'll find, their, they'll find their way into the church. Hopefully one day before Jesus comes back, they'll, they'll be saved and, and they'll have their own relationship with God. Because we just saw it here in Scripture, it doesn't matter if actually if you make it to church and you do the works of the things. It, it's about that relationship. Because he said that the, the people who, the people who had, had worked miracles and the things that they did, he said, depart from me, you evildoers. They didn't keep all the laws of him. They, they, didn't, they didn't have that relationship with him. So children value whatever their parents value. And if we're not imparting the word of God and raising them in, our, in, in the ways of God all the time, who's going to do it? And I'm talking about our kids right now because it's easy to see. But you notice I talked about our brothers and our sisters and our grandma and our grandpa and whoever else. It is your coworkers, the people you go to school with, right? If a child's trained up, their odds are a lot higher to make it to heaven. What if, only, what if the only Jesus people saw, what if the people in your house, the only Jesus they saw was what they see in you? Or the people around you? The only Jesus they see is, the, is what Jesus they see in you. Would they have a chance? Think about that today. The people you go and meet at the restaurant today where you're going to eat at, right? The people you live with, the people you work with, do they have a chance to make it into heaven if, all, if, the, if their only lifeline is you? Your pastor's not always going to meet everybody, right? Not grandma, your, your, your grandma with a healthy relationship with God, she's not ever, always going to meet everybody. It's up to us. We've got to do this, right? <clears throat> a lot of times, though, we're busy saying, well, I'm trying to, good, I'm trying to do good, Pastor. I'm trying to do good for my kids. I want to give them all these things, so i got to work extra, so I just can't be down there. Even though the Bible says, fail not to assemble yourselves. Direct order from God. Fail not to assemble yourselves. Fail not to assemble the church, right? Or I think I'm a pretty good person. I think I'm pretty good. I've never killed anybody. I don't even drink anymore, preacher. I don't do these things that, that, that you preach against. I don't do those things, and, and I'm not a 
clothesline preacher by any means, but I'm just some of the things the Bible says. But those things there, just trying to be good and, and thinking you're a pretty good person, that's not going to get it done. Not, you think these people who were, he was talking to there weren't pretty good people? They cast out demons. Anybody here ever cast out a demon? Let me tell you something. There's going to be a lot of good people in hell. A lot of good people in hell. Remember in Matthew, Lord, Lord, didn't we? Didn't we prophesy? Didn't we cast out demons? Didn't we perform miracles? A lot of good people in hell. Jesus said, depart from me, you workers of iniquity, because he's the judge there at the great white throne judgment. What could possibly be more important than this? I know I'm going over this again, but what could possibly be more important than this? I got to remind you all that I'm a participatory preacher. My wife's asked me to be done today early, so they're going to get on with the Easter eggs. But if you don't work with me a little bit, we're going to be here a long time. <laughs> what could possibly be more important than seeing my children make it to heaven? What could, I, I think about it all the time. We get to help people, and, and we've seen people come in, and we've seen their lives changed around and, and, and get jobs and regain custody and all kinds of things that happen in people's lives, and that's awesome, and it's wonderful, and it's all part of the ministry that God called us to, and, and it's an honor to be called there by God. And it's great to get to minister to you all and, and, and be there when you go to the hospital and, and pray with you and, and deal with your children sometimes and all the things that we get to do with that. But what if I lose one of my own in the process of trying to get your family saved? That'd be terrible. That'd be terrible. And it'd be terrible if you lose one of your own. So what could possibly be more important than this? Then look into our examples, what I'm talking about, living up to what God said. What greater things are these are we going to do, Right? Everyone will stand in front of God. Everyone will stand in front of Jesus, I should say. Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost are all the same, but it says Jesus is, is at the great white throne judgment. So everyone will stand before him. Everybody's going to stand in front of Jesus. Believe it or not. You don't have to believe that part, but it's still going to happen. You will be there because it says, it says death, hell, and the sea give up, will give up their dead, and everybody's going to be there, right? I've had multiple calls saying my child or my grandchild is on drugs. They're going down the wrong path. Y'all know. Some of y'all have been the ones called me on this. They're going down the wrong path. If they don't stop doing this, they're going to wind up in the penitentiary. Would you please go talk to them, right? Talk to them for me. But I have a question to ask you. I don't mind doing that. That's part of the ministry. That's part of my job. And I love helping you. I love helping your kids and, or, or anybody else. But how are you, what are you doing about it? What are you doing about it? In every day. We've got to be pouring this into them daily. You can't raise them up in the flesh and then call on the pastor when they're about to go to the pen. That just doesn't work. You don't have very high odds of success there. We've got to be pouring into them continuously, all the time, pouring into them. We, had, we get calls all the time to go to the hospital and pray with people. Now, I believe in deathbed salvation, and I believe that works. And I know that some people just won't accept it until they're right there. You see, when, they, when, when someone's facing death, God has a way of turning even the hardest heart around to him. You follow me? They do. Some people won't accept it until they get right there to the edge. But what are we doing about it till leading up to that? As Christians, we're followers of Christ, right? If we're followers of him, then he's our example. We're supposed to be living the ways he lived, doing the things that he did. Praying, using our authority, having a relation. It's all about a relationship. People call me religious all the time at my job. And I tell them, I'm not religious. I have a relationship with God. That's what he wants out of us. He wants us to have a relationship all the time. We need to be pouring into these people all the time. And Acts, or Jesus said in Acts 1 and 8, he said, greater, well, he, said, he said, you'll be my witnesses. You'll be a witness to me, actually, he said, to the end of the earth, 
to the end of the earth. This is the last words he said as, he, as his feet were rising off the ground. You're going to be my witnesses to the end of the earth, right? Talk about greater things are we going to do. We're going to be his witnesses to the end of earth. I looked up this, this phrase, to the end of the earth. In the Greek, it means last in time or last in place. Last in time or place. So if we're the last in the place, that's to the end of the world, Right? They didn't know all the countries and the cities and the, and the things that were going to be back then. And his, Jesus knew, but the disciples didn't know. The people didn't know what all was going to happen in our, in our times today, right? They didn't know there was going to be a Russia and a France and, and all the things that we have today, a Mexico. And so he's talking about to the end, of the, the end of the earth in place. And then he's also talking about the last days, the last days of the end of the world. He's talking about time. So he's talking about in place and he's talking about time in the last days. I believe that we're living in the last days. I know you all have heard it before and it's been preached to death, and I've heard it since I was a little boy, but we've just got to be closer than we've ever been. And if you watch the news, turn on your television, and you see what they're talking about, things are lining up. These prophecies that Jesus had, prophecies of the Old Testament, they're coming true in this day that we live in. Look at the weather. Look at the things that are happening. And it's not just one sign. It's sign after sign after sign after sign after sign piled on top of each other. I believe, there's, I, I believe it's going to be in my lifetime. I can't prove that in the Word. I may not have said that, said, should have said that from the pulpit. But I think we don't, have long, we don't have much time. I believe that with all my heart that we don't have much time. So I believe that we're living in the end of the earth right now. Last days. Last of the places that we can go to. Last of the people. Do you realize that over two-thirds of the people who's ever existed on the earth, think about that, over thousands of years, over two-thirds of the people who've ever existed on the earth are living right now. Alive right here. Think of the mission fields. Right here in our own backyard. Places that we go every day. All the time. We're living in the last days. Jesus died on the cross and was raised from the dead on Easter. For what? For what? What's the last thing you say to your family when you leave them for the day? I say, I love you. I say the thing that I want them to remember the most. I say, I'll be back home as soon as I can. What's the last thing Jesus said when his feet left the earth? He said, you'll be my witnesses everywhere. To the end of the earth, to the end of time, I want you to tell them. Jesus died on the cross to be reconciled so that I could be reconciled back to God because I was separated from God because of sin. So I could be reconciled, so that I could have this relationship, right? So that I could have eternal life, so that I could go to heaven, so that I could get my authority back. Luke 10, 19 and 20 says we have authority. Genesis 1, 26 says God gave Adam authority, but Adam, Adam gave it up, so Jesus came back. That's one of the things he did when he went down. Before he came up, he went down to hell, defeated Satan soundly, says he put him on public display, stripped him down of any defenses that he ever had, and marched him around in front of his people, in front of his little demons, right? Took all these things back, took the keys to death, hell, and the grave, took the authority back and came back and gave it back to us. So that we can be reconciled with God. So that the Holy Ghost and fire can live inside of us, right? So that we can have that power that comes from having the Holy Ghost and fire living inside of us, right? Because we have the Spirit. Where at? That's all the excitement you all get out of the Spirit of God lives inside of you. And we say, inside. Who lives inside of us? The Spirit lives inside of us, right? The Holy Ghost lives inside of me. From the time I ask Him to forgive me of my sins, He moved into me and He indwells in me from then on, right? You all know this. I've been teaching it for a month and a half. Yes, Pastor. This means yes. Amen. Come on. Sweating up here a little bit. 
how many are following the example we're given, though? The God-given example that he gave us. Jesus gave us examples. He showed us how to live through living his life. How many are following these things? None of us are following to the fullest extent. Some of us might be trying harder than others. Some people may not be trying at all. They may be relying on being a good person. Some people are trying a little harder, but none of us have arrived. Let me tell you this. It's a process that we go through. We're being perfected, the Bible says. We have to continue to push forward all the time. In our daily walk, we have to walk this thing down all the time. Are you following me? So if we're not following this example, if we're not doing it to the best of our ability, why not? Why aren't we? Look at what Jesus went through. He died on a cross. The most painful, horrific death that man could ever dream up. They killed thousands of people perfecting this thing that they could take him right to the edge without killing him. You realize there was a centurion there that was in charge of killing people without, he would bring him right to the edge of death with the scourging that they got? You realize that? This man, to, to, to know right where the edge of death is without any modern medical equipment, this man had to have done this many, many times. Wouldn't you think? They killed probably thousands or tens of thousands of people doing this to bring them right to the edge and then say, why do you think it's 39 stripes they gave him? He was about to die. He was in shock. He was spurting blood out of his sides. And they said, hold up right there a second. If you beat him anymore, he's going to die right here. We're not going to get him to the cross. Think about that. Think about that. What could possibly be more important to you than following this example that he gave us while he was here? He loved us that much that he did that. He loved us that much. Our God-given example, what could possibly be more important? Is it your job holding you back? Is it things? I want to give more things to my children. Not even our family should hold us back from that. Nothing on this earth should hold us back from following our example, right? To follow the example, though, we have to look to the example. We have to look to him all the time. So turn to him and give him everything. Give everything to him, right? Lay it down. Church, I'm talking about being completely sold out. 100% sold out. That's right, Sister Mary. 100% sold out. If the Spirit speaks to you and tells you to lay down everything tomorrow, be prepared to lay it down. Whatever it is, I don't care if it's your own children. Put them aside for God. Nothing's more important than God is. You have to be willing. You may not have to do it, but you got to be willing to do it. Are you following? Remember the rich young ruler, ruler we talked about? Last, or rich, I don't know if he's a ruler. We talked about a rich young man last week that Jesus, he said, I've been doing all these things and doing all this and doing all this and doing all this. And Jesus said, sell all your goods and, and give them away and then come follow me. That's what you got to do. He had to be willing to go all the way with God. That young man turned away in disgust and walked away from Jesus. Do you think he made it to heaven? He wasn't all the way in. He was part way in. Church, I'm afraid that's where we're at so many times, though. We're partway in. We're partway in. We're here on Easter. We're here on Sundays. We might be here all the time and not living it in our life. God knows. I don't know. I'm not preaching down to anybody. I'm not saying I'm perfect. I mess up frequently. But when I do, I have to go to God and say, Lord, I'm sorry. I know when the Spirit, I may not even realize at the time, but the Spirit quickens me and says, hey, what you did wasn't right. What you said wasn't right. You can't say that. You can't do that. You need to spend more time with me. And when he does that, I have to come to him and say, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I've sinned against you. Lord, I want to make it right. If there's anything else that's, that, that, that's in there that I've done wrong, Lord, show me what it is. Quicken it to me. I don't care what it is. There's nothing more important than my relationship with you. I'll lay down anything for you, God. Just let me know today. Go to him and genuinely say that to him. That's what I'm talking about. Being sold out completely and totally to God. Not that you're going to be perfect, 
You're made perfect when he wipes that sin off of you, when he blots that sin out of the, out of the Lamb's book of life, out of the book of remembrance. Are you following me? But you're going to make mistakes. There's a huge difference in blatantly doing things, though, and making mistakes. Right? So we want to be in control, though. That's our problem a lot is that we want to be in control. I love to be in control. I'm a control freak, and Katie gets it for me. And I love to be able to plan things out most of the time. Not short-term things. I like to plan out my retirement and things like that. But I like to be in control. I like to, if we're getting in the car, I want to be the driver, right? I won't ride a roller coaster because I can't be in control of the thing. If they give me the switches, I'll do it. But I, I'm not doing it without that. We like to be in control, though. How's that working for you? Think about it. I was in control of my life, I thought, or so I thought before I came to God. And how was that working out for me? Things were a mess. They were, the wheels were falling off of it, so to speak. God had called me to come and preach and be a minister in his gospels to speak to you all. And I was refusing. I was running from God. I went halfway across the country. And I realized I was still right in the palm of his hand the whole time. We must surrender all to God. Give it all to him, right? I'm not satisfied with being a mediocre or have a mediocre type of Christians or average Christians. 94% of Americans think they're Christians. Where's average at? That standard's not very high, is it? If 94%, I'd say the average is down here. I'm not, I'm not satisfied with that. I'm not happy with that. Does anyone else want more? Is it just me? Do you, do you all want more in your lives? Do you want to minister more to your family? I'd love to see more of my family saved. I'd love to see all my family saved. I want to see all my children go to heaven. We've got to get all the way in. What's the holdup? God hasn't changed, has he? Has our example changed? Jesus wasn't part-time. He was all in. He was all the way in. If you want more, God's going to require change. This change has changed for the better, though. Now, some of us are busy holding on to other things that I don't want to give that up because I enjoy this thing. Or I really like to do that there, preacher. Or, or this has been a family tradition for years here. We just do it this way. Right? Things that we want to hang on to. But when God requires change, this process, it's always for the better. Right? Everything that I've ever given up for God, God gave me something so much better. Above and beyond what I could have even imagined it would be. He has. He has. I'm not a rich man, but he's blessed me so richly. Are you following me? I have more now than I've had before in the past. So in, in my life, PJ, I call it, pre-Jesus, I, like, I, I, I partied a lot. I was arrogant. I was into alcohol and the drugs. And, and I was taking all these things. I've told you all this in here before if you've been here very long. I was taking these things and I was putting them into this void that I had in my life that I didn't even realize that I had. But I was trying to fill this. There was something missing. And I kept trying to fill it with this stuff. And after Jesus, when I had that relationship, not a religion, it's a relationship, he filled that void. He filled that void completely. So I don't feel like I'm missing something anymore. I don't have to have those addictions and putting things into myself to try to fill that void. Some of you all understand what I'm saying. He gave me, he, he gave me that and it, it, it enabled me to be more content. When you're all in with God, you're a lot more content. You don't have to look to other things. I'm content with a $79,000 house. I don't need a $300,000 house. Don't need it. I'm happy over here. You follow what I'm saying? It's things like that. I'm just content with things that I have, things that he's given me, not things that I've got on my own. He's, he's enabled me to work, and he's given me a job to do these things, but he blesses me so that my money goes farther, right? He gave me peace. He gave me joy, right? He, gave, he, he blessed me. He put people around me and put people in my life who are a blessing to me, people who bring me forward and don't pull me back. Yeah. It's the kind of things God will do for you, right? He gave me a job. He gives me favor at my job. Favor. Favor is not fair. 
I say that to people all the time. When, when something happens for me and it's favor from God, and I know it's favor from God because I shouldn't be getting things that I get at my, at my job as things sometimes. And, and I tell him, favor is not fair. Brother Stephan said, I used to hate it when he said that to me, but now he uses that term. Favor is not fair. It's not fair. The favor of God isn't fair to people around you, but, but God loves us that much. He sent his son to die on a cross that we could be blessed like that, that he could show us his favor. And he wants to show it to the rest of your family. Are you following me? <clears throat> Would you play that song now, Brother Andy? Sister Elena, you, I almost called you this morning to see if you play this as a special. Clear the stage, that song. Can you turn it down just a little bit because I need to talk still? Listen to the words of this song, though. Could you stand and raise your hands? While we're listening to this song, everybody stand up and raise your hands, can we? This means I surrender. I surrender. Let's give it all to God. Give it all to him today. Ask yourself, is the way I've been living what Jesus died for? Is it? This song is talking about a church who, they were in the ministry, they were doing things, they were moving places, but they got things in front of God. They got it in front of their example. Ask this to God today, could we? Go ahead and pray. Just go ahead and turn the song up, brother. Sing it if you know it. Father, we thank you for this day. We praise you.